You're listening to Halford and Bruff. It pours, and right now the Flames are in the middle of a monsoon. It's nothing to do with broken. We just sucked. That team sure did suck last night. They just played sucked. We couldn't do diddly poo offensively. Just want to apologize to our fans. Playing like shit right now, so it's tough to watch. I mean, we got everyone just looking in the mirror at this point and do a whole lot better. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Friday. What an intro, laddie. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintex Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes of Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog, good morning to you. Diddly poo. Okay, and laddie, good morning to you as <laughs> hello, well. Hello, hello. Ah, crazy Friday hijinks. We've started them already. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. It is a Friday. It is hour one. Hour one is brought to you by everythingfinancial.com. Financial Freedom Awaits. Book your introductory meeting today. Visit them online at everythingfinancial.com. How about another read? Should I do another read? We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintec.net. Ultimately, we want to get to the the show to the point where it's just all ads, and then we're like, we'll be right back with some more ads. Yeah, it's commercials sandwiched with commercials. That's the goal, really. And then occasionally doing some online gambling yeah. content. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what do we have in store on the show today? It is a Friday. Brady Henderson, a Friday regular here, ESPN, NFL Nation, Seahawks insider, is going to join us. It's the Seahawks. It's the Browns. Sunday, Sunday, we'll preview that with Brady at 6.30. 7.30, it's the Moj. Not a lot of foresight from the Halford and Bruff show here is we got the Moj on a bye week. So we're going to talk to Moj about the CFL Awards. We can really prep up that Western semifinal between the Lions and the Stamps. Yeah, this is going to be like just that. do all ask us anything. So that's it. You don't have to. Yeah, no football will. questions. Yeah, yeah. Just jambalaya, and that's it. This <laughs> just jambalaya. Uh, that's going to be at seven thirty. It's the jambalaya Moj. Friday with Moj. Uh, Eight o'clock. Rick Dollywell is going to join us to yell at us and then hang up on us. Uh, it is also Ask Us Anything Friday. A reminder: you can ask us about anything with Ask Us Anything Friday. We'll do our best to answer it. We will try. Uh, we're, we're giving away tickets to the Halloween game. Uh, that's on. Let's never do that again. That was the worst evil <laughs> laugh ever. Is that a Dracula? That's kind of nice. Yeah. That's yeah. a Dracula yeah. laugh. That's a friendly evil laugh. That's like a good start to your day evil laugh. Uh, Tuesday, October 31st, 7 o'clock, Rogers Arena. It is the Vancouver Canucks. It is the Nashville Predators. We're giving away a pair of tickets. It's going to be either the best Ask Us Anything or what we learned. So... Text into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. If you're going to do a What We Learned, hashtag it WWL. If you're going to do an Ask Us Anything, hashtag it AUA. And don't forget, I cannot stress this enough, put a ticket emoji into your text to be entered into the grand prize draw for a pair of tickets to see the Canucks and Preds on Halloween. Uh, Tonight, it is the Canucks and Blues, 7 o'clock from Rogers Arena. It's also Game 1 of the World Series tonight, so a good sports-watching night for everybody out there. As for our guest list, working in reverse, Rick Dollywall at 8 o'clock, Bob the Moj Marjanovic at 7.30, and Brady Henderson at 6.30. That's what's happening on the program today. Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? 
What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance, making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. You know, we've been doing this for a long time, and as sort of easily identifiable Canucks fans, we can tell you one thing. It's not an easy road. It's not an easy life we chose. A lot of times you don't get to cheer for your local hockey squadron because they don't win a lot of games. So, over the last few years... We as Canucks fans, you and I in particular, have learned to find enjoyment elsewhere. Oftentimes, that means basking in the glow of another team's failure. <laughs> it's quite a life we live. However, it's pathetic. There are very rare occasions in this <laughs> pathetic life of ours where it's not just another team that struggles, an entire province is embroiled in misery. And, and it's that's, even better because of the province that it is. It's true. It's our neighboring province. Yeah. What a dump. Yeah. Anyway. I say all this because yesterday, I think we might have reached the zenith of Alberta crisis in hockey. Sure, it's early in the season, folks, but the Flames and Oilers are in crisis mode. The Flames and Oilers have a lot of things in common. They've both lost a bunch of games in a row. They both have players in post-game media availabilities swearing just casually dropping F-bombs and S-bombs. It's a lack of discipline. L-bombs. I don't even know what an L-bomb is. It's crazy what's going on right now. I want to start in Calgary. Last night, it was Oscar Sundquist and Joel Hofer <laughs> leading the way. For the Why are you Lose. laughing at Joel Hofer? <laughs> He's got a funny name. Hofer? Joel you, Hofer is a, is a goalie for the St. Louis Blues who shut out the Flames last night. Laddie's going to be like, this guy's been well-regarded for a number of years now. Nobody team, else has heard of him. Former Team Canada member Joel Hofer, right? He's only on my list, you know, for the top prospects going into the year, so I guess he didn't read that. He's on your list of best goalies named Joel Hofer. <laughs> I will not be reading your top goalie prospects <laughs> yeah. of the year. Ever. I would have known about Joel Hofer. <laughs> oh, man, is that why Pierre Maguire is like, he went to, went to this high school. Okay, <laughs> okay uh, Calgary loses 3-0 to St. Louis, that's important for two reasons. One, ha <laughs> Calgary. Two, Blues are in town tonight to play the Vancouver Canucks. Kasperi Kapanen and Nick Letty scored for the Blues as well in the 3-0 win. The more important thing is that Calgary looked awful. Calgary was, I don't want to say showered with booze, and not the booze like alcohol, like well, boo, but... Most of the fans had left. That's right. So it was hard to shower to, them with booze. They weren't even there to boo. Um... The Calgary Flames have nothing going offensively. They went into the third period last night trailing the game, and the Blues actually outshot them. Just a casual, easy win for the St. Louis Blues on a Thursday night. They weren't really pushed. Right? Like So, so, so think about all that. Think about how this game unfolded. Not only were the Flames coming off a pretty dreadful performance, they had a beatable team in the St. Louis Blues... They had the the motivation or the embarrassment of the last game. You got Nikita Zdorov really popping off on his own team. You got a rookie head coach that you would think the Flames players appreciate playing for, considering they didn't appreciate playing for the last guy. And mm -hmm. this was supposed to be the fun year for the Flames. And you're trailing the game, and you go into the third period, and you're at home, and you just got nothing. And there's some quotes coming out from the Flames players where they were like, the St. Louis Blues broke our will. That was Mackenzie Weger, by the, the way. The St. Louis Blues broke your will at home in game seven or eight? Like, you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of the Canucks last season. Well, Jason, like, they just had nothing going on. 
The Canucks, no answers for anything. The Canucks last season got off to a unforgettable 0-5-2 start to the year. Calgary, not that far off. After Remember when they won the opener and everyone was like, yeah, Ryan Huska and the Flames, back to the playoffs, baby. Since winning their season opener, they have gone 1-5-1. and And they've scored 12 goals over their last seven games. You can't even blame this on Markstrom. You can potentially blame it. On Jonathan Huberto and Nazem Kadri, oh but wait. They're dreadful. Ryan Huska had a very interesting remark about his two highly paid forwards yesterday. He was asked if that team, his team, the Calgary Flames, needs more from Huberto and Kadri following a 3 nothing loss to the St. Louis Blues. Here's what the head coach, Ryan Huska, had to say. I mean, if, if you're expecting those two guys to win games for us, that's not going to happen. We'll be waiting for that for a long period of time. The way this team will win games is when they're competitive and they skate and they play hard. You're paying those guys $17.5 million combined this year. I get the vibe he doesn't like those two players very much. I think you can lean on them a little bit, maybe to win you a game or two, Ryan Huska. If you watch Huberto out there, he is completely lost. He makes $10.5 million. Yeah. Someone texted in earlier as an Ask Us Anything to the Halford and Bruff show. A reminder. Get him in. Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. Does Jonathan Huberto now have the worst contract in the NHL? I don't know if I'm ready to go that far, dear texter, but it's in the conversation. Well, I think it is. Can you think of another one? That's the worst? Yeah. It's, it's, it's an awful contract considering the way he's playing right now. He's 30 years old. He's got a full no-move clause, so... Even if there was a team that was interested in Jonathan Huberto, he could, in theory, block that trade. He's signed for how many more years at a cap hit? He's signed it's, until two, 2030-31. It's the length of his contract. Ten and a half sure. million dollars. And also, like, I'll say it, he's a winger, right? Like, So he plays... I don't know, in my opinion, the least important position. Like, I would take a center, I would take an elite center, I would take an elite defenseman or even an elite goalie over an elite winger. Mm -hmm. And so you're always going to have this issue of like, okay, is he going to have chemistry with the center that comes in if you're trading for him? He's also like, you know, this sounds awful, but like, does he have any injuries? Because at least with some guys, you're kind of like, I don't know, maybe he'll end up on LTIR. Mm Mm-hmm. The, the, I think he's the worst contract in the NHL right now. Can I play devil's advocate for a second? Yes, Greg. Like, the year that ended in 2022 with the Panthers, his last year there, he had 85 assists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's still only 2023. And you're saying he's completely washed. Yes. A man that had 85 assists Rinsed, a year ago. I'm just saying done right now. His, I'm just saying right now his contract is the worst in the NHL. It's been bad since he's been in Calgary. But yeah. if you watch him play, like I don't know how much you you've watched of the Flames. Like I've watched the end of their last two games. Right, he's just kind of hanging over. out. Just having. And he's just hanging he's out. Just like there's no there's no point to his game. Yeah. Like I'm watching it and I'm like. There's like he gets the puck and he'll give it up pretty easily or he'll like you know skate past it. I mean the Flames fans are watching this guy and they're like poke him with a stick like do something. He just looks like he's got he looks like he's miserable too. Now listen, we've seen players struggle before, right? There were times a couple years ago when we were watching, for example, Petey play and we were like, what is going on here? Has this guy completely lost it? So I'm not writing him off right now, but I would say right now, if you were to make power rankings of the worst contract in the NHL, it would be Jonathan Huberto. We'd love to hear from listeners on this. Dunbar Lumber text line, 650-650. 
Does Jonathan Huberto have the worst contract in the NHL? And if it's not him, who is it? So the booze, as it, not again, not alcohol, but B-O-O-S, were raining down on the flames for the few that remained in their seats at the end of regulation of that 3 nothing loss to St. Louis last night. You would think that someone would step up and apologize to the Saddledome faithful, and someone did. His name, Nikita Zadorov, who's quickly becoming the best quote. Not the best player, but the best quote on the Calgary Flames. Here's what Zadorov had to say post-game. Uh, it's a short one, and it kicks off a day of swearing on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Just want to apologize to our fans. Playing like shit right now, so it's tough to watch. It's not as tough to watch as the Edmonton Oilers, though, as we pivot now to the other tire fire smoldering in northern Alberta. Jonathan Quick. Jonathan Quick. Totally forgot he was in the NHL. I forgot he was with the Rangers. I was like, Jonathan Quick is in there? (laughs) 32 saves against the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, (laughs) They win 3-0 as well. So you want to run the parallels between the Flames and the Oilers. They've now both lost four in a row. They now both lost lost 3-0 last night. Uh, the Oilers have that dangling one five and one record over their head as well. Here's a crazy stat. Edmonton has a grand total of one, one third period goal this entire season. I don't even know how you manage that. I With think McDavid is- in the lineup or not. That is crazy to me. One third period goal. Isn't that the concerning thing about both of these teams that they've gone into third periods trailing? multiple times, mm-hmm. and they've come up with nothing. Bupkiss, I believe, yeah. is the word. Uh, I want to play some more. So today I said it was the day of swearing. For some reason, everyone in sports last night decided to swear on live mics. Like, they didn't care. They just decided to drop F-bombs and S-bombs. I think we might try it today. Yeah, why not? It's a Friday. Mm-hmm. I say I say go for it. <laughs> yeah, let's do it's it. called F This Friday. Let's get it underway. Yeah. Uh, here now. <laughs> this is a new weekly segment we're trying out. <laughs> uh, you've been canceled during the break. Uh, let's hear from Darnell Nurse. Now, his swear was interesting. Was because- it a Darnell curse? <laughs> God, I love you. Um, <laughs> I bring this up because I'm Darnell fine, Nurse's I? delivery was so monotone, and it sounded like he was just answering another question. But then you could tell that he started to get a little frustrated, and out came the F-bomb. Here's Darnell Nurse following a 3 nothing loss to the Rangers last night in Edmonton. Yeah, we got to be better, like, to a man. That's as simple as that. Um, that's the dialogue. Everyone knows. You know, it's easy to point fingers and whatnot. I mean, we got everyone just look in the, in the mirror at this point and be a whole lot better. So here's the fun part. On Sunday, in Edmonton, in front of a very large crowd at Commonwealth Stadium, the Edmonton Oilers will play the Calgary Flames. It all comes together. (laughs) Outdoors! Like, this is incredible, the timing of this. Perfect. Because, um, first of all, we don't know if McDavid's going to be able to play. He didn't play last night. Um, I imagine that the Oilers are going to try to make him available. Jay Woodcroft said last night that there is a chance that he'll be ready to play, but they're not going to make an announcement. Can you imagine if you bought tickets like for either team for this outdoor game and you're like, this is going to be awesome. And it's like, both teams are terrible and McDavid isn't playing. They renamed it to the loser bowl. (laughs) Surely a month into the season, things couldn't be going that poorly. So on Sunday in front of a national TV audience, including down south where it's on TBS, the Flames and the Oilers will play this outdoor game. And I guess the only good news is that one of them has to win the game. Wow. The good news for them. The good news for us is that one of them has to lose the game as well. So we'll be able to continue that on on Monday. Interestingly enough, the St. Louis Blues 
who beat the Calgary Flames last night, are the Canucks' next opponent, and the New York Rangers, who have gone into Alberta and sweeped both those teams. They beat Calgary and they beat Edmonton, are the Canucks' Saturday opponents. So here's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that the Blues are feeling all fat and happy about their effort in Calgary, or maybe just a little bit tired because they you know, had expended so much energy. They had sure. this great defensive effort that they come in tonight against Vancouver, and they're either like, ah, whatever, let's break even on this, and the Canucks blow them out the doors. Meanwhile, the New York Rangers, you know what? It feels like a good time for like a rookie party. Best how about the, best city in the world? How to do about it? Friday night in Vancouver while the Canucks and Blues are playing? The Rangers will probably be in town. I don't think they're going to stay in Calgary. Maybe have their rookie night and have a big just. And you know what, Rangers, you deserve. To let some steam off, you deserve Hardy to have a, hard. you deserve to have a big night. You, you know, in this life of ours, you got to celebrate your victories. And you went through Alberta and you played so well. You gotta you gotta take care of yourself. So go out, have a lot of drinks. We have and, this great bar called and, the Roxy. Try it out. Well, I think there are other bars now. A dog, I think. No, it's just that one. It's, uh, yeah, uh, I didn't realize our show was being produced by Shane O'Brien. That's the, that's the sabotage bar. <laughs> so that's where they got to go. You so and if any Canucks fans are run into any Rangers players, like buy them a drink, buy them ten drinks, and nope. just have like a big, big old classic Vancouver night. And then you know what? If you if you don't play all that well on Saturday against the Canucks, it doesn't matter. You played well in Alberta still. You know, I wonder if you could get away with if you were the Rangers going to the sports bar at Rogers Arena and then trying to re package it as like a scouting trip like no we're going to watch our next opponent coach we're, we're just doing it from the in-house bar well, who are you guys planning sir we're not really sure <laughs> guys are sending over trays of shots <laughs> to the rangers i think we might be onto something here anyway i do want to spend a moment here before we go to break talking about yes your local hockey squadron the vancouver canucks and tonight's opponent the st louis blues so the canucks returned to practice yesterday ahead of the blues game there wasn't a ton to parse from practice. Same lines as you would expect as the ones that we saw in Nashville in that 3-2 victory to close out the five-game road swing. The only thing of minor note is that Jack Studnika got to take some twirls as a defenseman. That was fun <laughs> for him. He got to skate with Noel Juleson on the extra pairing. Uh, there was some interesting audio about Rick Tockett discussing the schedule and then how it relates to his goalies because yet again, the Canucks are going to be put in a situation on this Friday and Saturday where they're going to have to rely on Casey DeSmith again and they had to rely on him a couple times early in this season and DeSmith has been been very good. Tockett also said that they are very cognizant early in the season that they're going to have to manage Thatcher Demko's workload. He actually said it's, quote, hard to have goalies play 60 games and also be successful in the playoffs. There's a coach that knows his team is on the way to the postseason. He's already planning for playoff success. <laughs> but I think it's interesting. I, I am curious to see how they're going to handle this goaltending situation. Because if I'm the guy making the call, I say you go to Smith tonight. And then you throw Demko in there against a Rangers team that is playing really well, that is deadly on the power play. And that's going to be, I mean, all due respect to tonight's game, which will be fun. Saturday's a marquee game, yeah. right? It's the Rangers. It's the Canucks. It's Hockey Night in Canada. So you're saying punt on tonight? Yeah. just Well, no, like with the Smith, it's almost a guaranteed two points, is it not? I wish I hadn't have said that out loud. But what would you do? <laughs> what would you do, Laddie, as the goalie guy? With the goalies, because you're, you, I mean, unless you're going to, you could run Demko out there twice. No, no, no. I would stay away from Demko that. Demko out there twice. Smith that, that would be the one thing I would not do. I think no. the order of them matters a lot less. You could but run you want, out there twice. You, you need the split in the back-to-back, -back. yeah. But who would you, no, start, who would you tonight? start tonight? 
I, like I said, it doesn't really matter. I'd have to look yes. at some tendencies Smith, and stuff, Smith. but you want your big goalie in the marquee game, I would assume. Mm, yeah. So Saturday night, Denver. And I assume that we're seeing Benning tonight because it's Hofer, unless they go back to back with Hofer, who's just got a fun name to say. He's a young, spry twenty-three-year-old, so maybe. But did you watch? I would fo- advise against. Did you watch a football game last night? Uh, bits and pieces. Yeah. yeah, it actually ended up being a lot closer and a lot more entertaining. Was that a than... was that a good win for the Bills no, or was that it was a win? Was it still kind of like, we got some problems on this team? Um, You know what I'll say? Josh Allen was not at fault for any of it last night. And playing Mm -hmm. with a bum shoulder, he actually put together a pretty comprehensive game. But the 24-18 win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the Buffalo Bills last night won't go down in the Hall of Fame, and it won't be hung at the Louvre. It was not an art. like It was not great. It was not an oil painting. But the Bills moved to 5-3. and Josh Allen, so here are the numbers. 31-40 of passing. Very accurate. 324 mm-hmm. yards. And he ran the ball a few times despite having to go to the blue medical tent because of a shoulder problem, right? So it was a fine victory for the Bills who really just need to go out, not make a ton of mistakes, win football games normally, and look like a team that isn't going to beat itself. Because that's been the thing with Buffalo right, and yeah. their three losses is it's mistake after mistake after mistake. So the Seahawks play Sunday against the Cleveland Browns. Um, I know Cleveland has issues at quarterback, but Cleveland also has a really good defense. So this is going to be a challenge for the Seahawks. This isn't going to be a gimme game. Uh, They are favored by three and a half points. And if you do look at the Seahawks schedule, you realize how much harder it gets in the second half. So all these games, these home games where you're favored, you just really want to take care of business. They had a win over Arizona. It was not a perfect game. There's a lot of focus right now on Geno Smith and whether or not he can repeat his performance from last season. So far, I I, I hesitate to say he's been a disaster. Like, I don't think he's been a disaster at quarterback. After all, the Seahawks are 4-2. and They have some pretty good wins, including a win over the Detroit Lions. But there is an uneasiness to his play right now. Well, the turnovers. Would you agree with that? The turnovers, right? And then that one in the red zone against Arizona was just so atypical. Mm -hmm. Sorry, so untypical (laughs) of of what he's done since he's become the starter. It was actually the first red zone pick that he's thrown since becoming the starter in 2022. And I would say... Even more concerning is the defense that he's facing this week because this is a Cleveland defense that can turn the ball over, can pressure the quarterback, and has been known to get interceptions. So it it's one of those, like, Gino didn't have a great game against Arizona, but he got by with it. But I don't think you can repackage what he did against Arizona and do it against his Cleveland defense because they're that good with Miles Garrett back there. Okay, so here's what we're going to do in the next little bit. Brady Henderson's going to join us from ESPN to preview this Seahawks-Browns game. Uh, we'll talk to Brady for about 15 minutes, and then we can return to the NHL story. I want to talk a little bit more about the Shane Pinto suspension for gambling and try and parse through the information that we've received on what exactly happened. I talked to a few people yesterday. I have have an idea. Um, There's nothing that I can, you know, report super concrete wise, but um, I think, I think some people are starting to understand what happened because there was a lot of confusion about the Shane Pinto suspension. So we'll talk about that after we talk to Brady Henderson. And then in the 7 o'clock hour, we have an open segment. So we're going to go into the Dunbar Lumber text line. 650-650 Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you. In Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center, or Arbutus in Vancouver, online at DunbarLumber.com. It's Ask Us Anything Friday. 
So there's lots to discuss, many questions to ask us. I'm sure A-Dog's going to get a few Halloween questions. Uh, you are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. We couldn't do diddly poo. Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. on a Friday. Sweet, sweet Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Although, I got a text into the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket from Red Wing Ted. He said his Friday started off with a rather ominous sign for what's to come. Red Wing Ted had to break out the ice scraper this morning. Oh, yeah, it was cold last night. I was driving in today and drove right by the Delari family of Acura dealers, Berard Acura, my favorite of the three. And I noticed that all of the cars parked in their glorious lot. They had the frost on the windshield. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was chilly walking in. Yeah, yeah it was, very chilly. It was yeah. zero degrees when I was driving in. Alberta's already getting yeah. snow, right? Mm-hmm. You got their, mm-hmm. Alberta you got their- was like minus 15 yeah. yesterday. That was also the it's entertainment like, Well, both of our hockey, hockey teams, teams are terrible. Yeah. Right now. That was at least the, the weather's conference. good. <laughs> yeah. We all set that one up nicely. Halford and Brev of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. Uh, Brady Henderson is going to join us in just a moment here for a little Seahawks talk for hour one. Hour one is brought to you by everythingfinancial.com. Financial freedom awaits. Book your introductory meeting today. Visit them online at everythingfinancial.com. It is the Seahawks. It is the Browns. This Sunday, Seahawks three and a half point favorites. And the biggest story of them all, they're debuting the throwback jerseys, Jason. They're going to they're gonna wear those beautiful throwback jerseys from the 80s for the first time. And then they announced yesterday they're going to wear them in Week 13 against Dallas as well. Oh, nice. Okay. So uh, joining us now for all that and more, Brady Henderson, ESPN, NFL Nation, Seahawks insider, here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Brady. How are you? Morning, fellas. Happy Friday to you as well. Doing great. Uh I, I actually, before uh, getting in my car this morning, I also had to wait and, uh, you know, wait for the, the ice to thaw off my windshield. I, I, I don't have, we don't have scrapers down here. I mean, some people do, but it's not as big of a thing as it is up there. So uh, it sounds like you guys had it worse. And, it, and that makes sense because it's just a different ball game weather-wise up there, but it is getting cold and it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, ice on the windshield season. I, I just used a credit card. Yeah, when in doubt, use your visa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I one time I had the in my younger, stupider years, I had the bright idea. I was in such a hurry that I poured my hot coffee on the windshield, Ooh. not realizing that that can cause all sorts of problems. <laughs> so I got away with it there, but that was one of the stupider uh, moves of my life. Been so a life full of uh, quite a few stupid moves. So Brady, what's the big story heading into this Seahawks Browns game? Uh, for me, matchup wise, it is Miles Garrett versus an offensive line that continues to be uh, shorthanded. I- I'm, you know, I'm not too concerned uh, about the Browns offensively. I think with Deshaun, a healthy Deshaun Watson there, I think there would be enough weapons even without Nick Chubb to where you know that could be a, a decent offense. But you know, PJ Walker has not been uh, all that productive uh, in his absence, and I think the the thing that scares teams about the Browns is Miles Garrett, just that defense in general, 
but especially Miles Garrett. I mean, he might be the defensive player of the year this year. I think if if it was if you're calling it right now, he's that guy, and, mm-hmm. and he's he might just be the most talented defensive player in the NFL. Uh, and so they are even at full strength. I think would have their hands full, but especially since they're going to have um, another backup right tackle there, along with uh, you know maybe a backup right guard. We'll see what happens there with Phil Haynes. But uh, that is the, the one thing matchup wise that really stands out about this game. Didn't the Seahawks have a few pretty impressive games with the backups in on offensive line? They did, yes, but it, it always just kind of felt like, okay, you know, at some point when when you play some pretty good defensive fronts, you're going to get exposed, and I think that happened in the um, the Cincinnati game, and it didn't help that Cincinnati just brought a ton of pressure like they tend to do. Um, I, I thought Stone Forsyth was solid last week, and I know they were pretty pleased with him, but I, I think, you know, they're kind of taking into account, like, yeah, that's pretty, he did a nice job for a, a backup guy making his – you know, I think that may have been his first start uh, at right tackle because he had been, you know, obviously playing left tackle before that. So um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Jason Peters this week. I don't think they're going to bump Forsythe out of the starting lineup, but it wouldn't surprise me if they, you know, try to mix him in at right tackle or at right guard because uh, I don't think Phil Haynes is going to play. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's you, you can only get by, I think, with backups for so long and on, along their offensive line, and they've probably gotten by for longer Considering how many backups they've had to play, uh, they I think that you know there's sort of seems like they kind of been on borrowed time there. Okay, let's talk about Geno Smith, Brady. Uh, since the bye week, which the Seahawks headed into at three and one, they went to Cincinnati and they lost a close one. That was a defensive battle, but after the game, Geno Smith said, "That's on me." And the Seahawks were not very good in the red zone, and Geno said, "That's on me." The defense balled out, and I didn't get it done. Then they host Arizona in a game where they were pretty heavy favorites, and they did take care of business, and they even covered the spread, and they won 20-10. to 10. But Geno Smith had a bad interception, and there was a fumbled snap, so turnovers did not go well for the Seahawks, and the, uh, the conversation continued about Geno Smith. So what has everyone been saying heading into this game against Cleveland, which does boast that really impressive defense? Yeah, and, you know, Smith continues to sort of be the, the anti-Russell Wilson, I think, in terms of, you know, his public comments about plays that go wrong. And, and not that Wilson was ever throwing anybody under the bus, but there was just never anywhere near the level of accountability that you get from Geno Smith. I mean, look, there's some times, there's some throws where it's obvious that, you know, Smith screwed up. I think the, the red zone interception – against Cincinnati was a pretty clear-cut example. That was just a ball that he got way too aggressive with, forced it. Uh, but, you know, you also heard him take the blame for the interception uh, on the throw he had to Metcalf in that same game where Metcalf, you know, gave up on the route. So I, I think that Smith may be bringing a little bit of undue criticism upon himself for the way that he just takes the blame for everything. Um, you know, the, the interception that he threw in the red zone against Arizona last week, I mean, that was another bad throw. Now, uh, Bobo, I think, could have uh, done more on his route to maybe make that a, a more obvious decision. But that, that's just a throw that Gino thrown to his left, sort of uh, out of rhythm. He just shouldn't make that throw. Now, the he, you know, he, he took the blame, I think, for the botch snap, which – you never really know if that's the center or the quarterback or some combination <laughs> yeah. of the two. It would be easy to blame it on the rookie there. center. Yeah, like, hey, these rookies—they sure, yeah. don't—they don't know how to snap the ball. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, but you know that that could have been 
uh, one or both of their fault. They were going quickly there, and I think they just kind of botched it. So, um, look, he's still the, – the, the throws that he's hitting are there's some, just these ungodly throws, like the one to, to Noah Fant where I don't think he had any business throwing that ball. It certainly had no business being caught. There was four defenders there. That was, It's got to be one of the – um, you know, tighter window throws that I've seen in a long time. And so, uh, you know, and that, and that came before the interception that he threw. And so I wonder if he was just kind of feeling himself a little too much and kind of got into that mode where you just, you're, you're so hot that you think that everything is going to get completed. <laughs> I but am a God. Two straight weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I think we saw that two from Russell Wilson at, at some point. Uh, we are speaking to we are speaking to Brady Henderson from ESPN's NFL Nation, Seahawks insider here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Speaking of rookies and guys catching the passes from Geno Smith, Brady, uh, let's recap this wide receiver situation because I choose to focus on some of the positives from last week with Geno. Is it having two rookie wide receivers in the lineup in Bobo and Smith and Jigba? Uh, both caught touchdowns. I think it's the first time since 2015 that the Seahawks have had two rookies catch touchdowns in the same game. There was no DK Metcalf. Tyler Lockett's banged up. So let's start there. Uh, are we expecting Lockett and Metcalf to play on Sunday? Uh, I think Metcalf, yeah, by all accounts, he he seems good to go. He told us that uh, he plans on playing and he's practiced this week. It's a little tougher call with Lockett. This is, again, another one of those deals where the guy shows up on the injury report on Wednesday after we hear from Pete Carroll. So there's those kind of two mystery days where we don't really know if that's a legitimate injury situation that's keeping him out of practice. He, he, he was listed as a non-participant Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, or if that's, you know, sort of partly injury, but partly they're just taking it easy on him and it's sort of a, a you know couple of rest days. So uh, we'll find out from Carroll, but he did not practice. Um, on each of the first two days, which is usually not a good sign. Uh, Jason Peters is one of the greatest offensive linemen of his generation. He was on the 2010 All-Decade team. I think he's made into the neighborhood of nine Pro Bowls. He has a Super Bowl. And now at the ripe old age of 41, he's a member of the Seattle Seahawks. Now, he hasn't played yet. Is he going to play on Sunday? I know Pete's kind of been dancing around this a little bit. Yeah, it just seems like they've kind of been pushing it pushing it back every week like we I think we've heard for about three weeks now three four weeks that he's ready to play uh now I know at one point in there I think a couple weeks ago I think it was before the Cincinnati game he had some sort of a a quad uh he kind of tweaked his quad now we didn't hear about that until after the fact because he's on the practice squad so those the teams aren't required to list those guys on the injury report Mm -hmm. but it does sound like, I mean, we again, we've been hearing this for weeks, but it sounds like he is physically ready to play, and it's just a matter of, you know, where does where does the opening happen? Um, and obviously when you're talking about a guy potentially bumping him up from the practice squad, you only get two of those per game, and so it, it has to come on a week unless, you, unless they're going to sign him to the 53, which I don't think they're going to do. Um, you know, that has to happen on a week where you don't need to call up two other guys because of, you know, whatever injury situations you might have. And so – What's interesting about Peters this week is that Carroll, after saying that uh, you know he's he's ready to play, he was asked what position that might be at, mm. and he declined to answer. So we, we obviously know he's played a ton of tackle in his career, but he's also played some guard uh, in recent seasons, including last year with Dallas. And so it would not surprise me if, as I mentioned, I don't think Phil Haynes is going to play. It wouldn't surprise me if um they could you know at the very least just give him a few reps at right guard we've seen them you know kind of rotate offensive linemen uh so maybe that's kind of like a a Gabe Jackson Phil Haynes situation last year where 
even if Anthony Bradford starts again, maybe you see them give uh, Jason Peters a series or two. You know, it wouldn't be a true Seahawks season until they brought back a familiar face. It feels like every year there's always one. And this year, earlier than usual with Frank Clark, uh, the pass rusher extraordinaire who returns to the team now at the ripe old age of 30. And that's in the wake of them losing Uchenna Nwosu to a season. Any, what did he tear his he's, he's only 30, Frank Clark. Yeah, you age quick in the NFL, <laughs> man. Yeah. Uh, Uchenna Nwosu, one, how big is the loss of him? And two, what can they realistically expect from Clark, who's coming in, having not played a ton this year, but is also a familiar face in the building? It, it is a really big loss. Yeah, that, that's a huge bummer for them, just because even if he, he wasn't their most productive edge guy. I mean, Boy Mafe has him in sacks, and Boy Mafe's been, I think, a more productive guy this year, but Nwosu is clearly the, the best, um, you know, edge guy that they have, and there's a reason why he plays, you know, 80, 90% of the snaps, and the other guys are quite a bit lower than that. Um, so it's a significant loss, I think, as a pass rusher, as a run defender, as just a guy who knows what he's doing, and remember, that's a, a pretty young group there. Like, you know, Mafe is in his second year. Uh, Taylor is in, I think, his third year or I think he's in his fourth year but he missed his entire rookie season and obviously Derek Hall is a you know rookie second round pick and so I think it made total sense to bring in a veteran guy like that now I think we've got to wait and see what what Frank Clark has left in the tank he's he's 30 which is by no means ancient but um you know he's had kind of a weird season where he felt clearly fell out of favor uh, pretty quickly in Denver after they signed him in June to a you know five and change million dollar deal fully guaranteed deal. Uh, and then, you know, I, I've heard whispers that they were considering moving on from him um, even, you know, before the season, even knowing that the contract was fully guaranteed. And so he only played two games there. According to our database, he did not have a pass rush win in 14 opportunities. Um, so that would be a pass rush win rate of 0. 0.0. Uh, so, yeah, it really did not do a whole lot. But he obviously has a huge resume. He's made three Pro Bowls, has a ton of sacks in his career, and he's been one of the more prolific uh, pass rushers in playoff history. I think he's third all-time in playoff sacks. And so I, I think the, the best-case scenario is that he does what Jaron Reed is doing, where he kind of revives his career uh, being back in a familiar setting. But, you know, there, there was nothing that he did over his two games in Denver that really indicate that that's a sure thing. Brady, have the Seahawks talked about the schedule that's going to get a lot harder? I mean, I don't think Cleveland's going to be an easy win, but after that, they go to Baltimore, and then they're home against Washington, and then it gets really tough because they got to go to L.A. to play a Rams team that beat them in week one and I think is better than most people expected. Then it's San Francisco. Then it's Dallas. Then it's San Francisco again. Then it's Philadelphia. That is a meat grinder of a schedule. And I'm just wondering if the Seahawks have talked about it or if they are just kind of like, we're focused on the next week. Yeah, you typically never hear players or coaches talk out loud about, you know, games down the road just because they, a coach would never want to set that tone of, you know, looking past, uh, you know, the upcoming opponent, but I'm sure that in private conversations, yeah, they would say the same thing that that is the murderer's row part of their schedule. I, I can't remember a four game stretch that they've had like that, but at least on paper, it looks as tough as that uh, with two games against San Francisco. Uh, yeah. Even Dallas is, you know, D Dallas and San Francisco have both kind of shown some vulnerability, uh, but that's still a, a brutally tough part of the schedule. Now the good news for them is that 
you know, the 49ers over the last couple of weeks have suddenly looked mortal and their quarterback has, they've looked, I think a little vulnerable uh, on the back end, uh, which has always been, I think kind of the, the less formidable, the least formidable part of that great defense uh, and their pass rush really hasn't been there. And so but, and don't, don't know if Brock Purdy is going to play this week. Obviously he should be back well in time uh, by the time that they play, but that 49ers team just looks a lot more beatable than it did a few weeks ago. And, you know, PJ Walker is, as unproductive as he's been uh, in filling work for Deshaun Watson this season, he's, you know, what, zero touchdown passes, three interceptions, a 50% completion rate. I mean, those are some brutal numbers, but he did, I'm not going to say he led them to a win over the 49ers, but he quarterbacked them to an ugly win over the 49ers. And so, um, yeah, I think the, the, the lesson here is um, you've got to make hay, you know, between now and then when that schedule gets really tough, but that schedule yeah, with the 49ers kind of coming back down to life, it maybe doesn't look quite as brutal as it did even a few weeks ago. Brady, we got about a minute left here, but I got two questions I want to get in real quick. One, do you expect the Hawks to be active on the trade market prior to Tuesday's deadline? They're going to look. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely going to look. I don't. I wouldn't necessarily assume that the Frank Clark addition is going to stop them from, um, you know, at least looking to make some other moves. I think mm-hmm. they got to see what they have in Clark, but they didn't give have to give up anything. Uh, for him they only gave him a minimum salary deal so i think if there's something else out there they've got you know roughly seven million dollars in cap space i I think that they could definitely take a look there for sure and two how much excitement is there about the debut of the throwback jerseys this weekend yeah it's uh quite a bit every player you talk to is just giddy when they talk about it and i mean for good reason those things look really 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 sharp and i you got to give the seahawks credit for not you know i think some teams that are bringing their throwbacks back they they have this uh, inclination to kind of tweak the design and modernize the design, which is kind of an oxymoron when you're talking about throwbacks. It should just be you bring back the throwbacks and they are what they were, uh, but they look really sharp. They didn't mess with them and everything about the, the rollout and the, you know, between the, the Chuck Knox hats that they handed out post game last week with the old, you know, Seattle Seahawks script. I think it's been pretty cool. And they're, and they're again, as you mentioned earlier, they're going to do it again uh, for the Dallas game later this season. Brady, you're the best, bud. Thanks for doing this. We appreciate it. All right, you got it, guys. Thank you. Have a good weekend. Yeah, enjoy the game. That's Brady Henderson from ESPN's NFL Nation, our Seahawks insider here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. You wanted to talk about the rest of the NHL story, Jason. Do you want to jump right in to the Shane Pinto situation? Because mm-hmm. I think there was a lot of confusion yesterday about what exactly happened with Shane Pinto because the NHL released a statement saying that Pinto did not bet on NHL games. But they still suspended him but for they still 41 suspended games. him for 41 games, and then people were like, wait a minute, are hockey players allowed to bet on NFL? And then people are like, yeah, they are. Okay, well, then what happened? So I talked to a few people yesterday, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to read what Elliot Friedman wrote, because Friedman writes it in a way that kind of concurs with what I've heard. So this is from Frege's article on sportsnet.ca. And he poses the question, what if a friend places a bet on hockey using Pinto's account? That would be a major, major problem, and he'd need to prove it wasn't him. There's a lot we don't know yet, but the league clearly was concerned with what it found. The NHLPA agreeing to and negotiating this kind of harsh suspension is a tell that no one liked what was discovered in the league's investigation. 
The suspension sent shockwaves throughout the NHL with executives and players wondering what exactly occurred. Things like fantasy football and master's pools are very common in dressing rooms and offices, just like for many of us in the general public. Except a lot of education in the immediate future on what to expect, a lot of education in the immediate future on what to avoid, such as allowing anyone access to your account and recognizing that no matter how trivial the offense, it is a player's responsibility to make sure they are not breaking any rules or laws. So, Shane Pinto is what, 22 years old? He's at that stage where he's just like, maybe not thinking. So I think when Freed writes... (laughs) What if a friend places a bet on hockey using Pinto's account? That's maybe something you should say, hmm, I wonder why Fridge is asking that question. What if? What if? So then you get into the, well, wait a minute. This could be a innocent thing, like Pinto's buddy had access to his account and then Pinto went back to Ottawa or whatever and Pinto's buddy just kept on. Making bets, mm-hmm. right? Maybe it wasn't original. That is a hypothetical hockey, situation, right? Jason. Yeah. That is a hypothetical. And then you'd be like, Pinto's like, dude, are you betting on hockey on my account? And his, and his buddy's like, was I not supposed to do that? That's on me, bro. So that's the innocent version. And if I were to have to, be, if I were to bet on based on what I've heard, <clears throat> that's what happened. What a clever pun. Yeah. And you said sharing accounts Hold on a is commonplace? The, the nefarious part. And the people that are skeptics about this would be like, no, this is Shane Pinto telling his buddy to bet on hockey based on information that he has. And the reason I don't believe that is because surely he would not be that stupid to tell his buddy to bet on games using his account, like maybe using his buddy's account, but not using his account. This is what happened. It was Shane Pinto's gambling account. And bets were made on NHL games, from what I understand. But Shane Pinto said, it wasn't me. It's like Shaggy. Right? So what should be done here? Right? And I think the penalty kind of makes sense. Because if the NHL determined that Shane Pinto was telling his buddy to bet on NHL games based on information that he had, Mm -hmm. then Shane Pinto might be banned from the league. He would get more than a 41-game suspension. 41 games, I think, is like, hey, we recognize this might have been just like a dumb kid mistake, and we're going to bring in the NHLPA here, and we're going to negotiate the suspension. This is awkward for everyone, but we have to make make an example of you. See, that's a good point you bring up at the end there. Finally. No, but that's a good point you bring up at the end there because Frege did say in one of his hits yesterday, this was a negotiated suspension between the NHL and NHLPA, which means both parties, both sides got to look at the entirety of this case and both parties and both sides saw things that they did not like. Mm -hmm. So this was an agreed upon 41 game suspension, which is why Pinto isn't fighting it. He's not going to file an appeal. He's going to take his lumps. He turns 23 in a couple weeks, so not the best way to ring in year 23. But I think that there's um, a definite sense here where the NHL and NHLPA also said, hey, we need to lay the hammer down, Mm -hmm. to steal an old Moj phrase, 
um, because we want to make sure that nobody goes anywhere near this gray area moving forward. Right. Like, just avoid it. Just avoid and so, it altogether. And don't, la- don't give access to your account, right? Don't do that. Something that lays a little more credibility to that theory is uh, Bruce Garriock reporting that it was the betting company that came to the league yeah. and said, hey, there's some unusual activity on Shane Pinto's account. So a lot of questions. I don't know if the NHLPA will have any questions about maybe an overreach in that regard. Imagine the car. Let's say but, this is like the innocent version of it, right? His buddy answered the phone. Hey, Shane, what's going on, man? <laughs> Uh, uh, best last night? I have some questions. Uh, have you been using my account to bet on NHL games? It's like, yeah, man, I'm cleaning up. This is awesome. I'm doing great for you. I'm, I'm doing so, great for you. I've made you so much money. <laughs> We're cleaning up, bro. We're cleaning up. Okay, uh, we got a lot more to get to on the Alfred and Brev show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, 7 o'clock hour, open segment. We got to get into these other NHL stories from last night because we managed to throw the jinx on Boston without even consciously doing it. Uh, a couple of the undefeateds fell from the ranks of perfection. Uh, we can get into anything else you want to get into, including Ask Us Anythings. Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. Ask Us Anything and What We Learns. Andy is going to come back from break. He's going to practice his delivery, and he's going to tell you the special wrinkle that you need to throw in to win the Canucks tickets for Halloween. We're giving away a pair Tuesday, August thirty, or sorry, October thirty first. It is the Preds. It is the Canucks from Rogers Arena at seven thirty. We're going to talk to Moj. So it's a big seven o'clock hour. Your job as a listener: do not go anywhere. Keep it on the dial. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet six fifty.